Hey, everybody. A, uh, a new document uh, just got released. Actually, it was filed yesterday, uh, March 8th, uh, in the BlockFi bankruptcy proceeding. And I just basically want to share this letter with you because it will affect uh, how long it might be before we get our funds back. Um, and also it revealed some interesting information as far as uh, creditors go, which I'll share at the end. So first off, I'm going to just read you this letter because it's nice and short. This is a letter to all stakeholders from the debtors, the official committee of unsecured creditors, the ad hoc committee and deferred 1031 regarding the debtors wallet withdrawal motion. Okay. So these groups, these stakeholder groups represent uh, various people who have either loaned money to BlockFi or held money at BlockFi. And these groups are each uh, represented by a different law firm. So, you know, lots of money is getting spent to make these little decisions and issue these documents. So the letter continues on November 10th. 2022 at 8.16 p.m. prevailing Eastern Time, BlockFi publicly announced via Twitter and Reddit that it was, quote, limiting platform activity, including pausing client withdrawals as allowed under BlockFi's terms. BlockFi's position is that the pause of all activity on its platform took immediate effect at 8.15 p.m. on November 10th, 2022. And that was called the platform pause. After filing for Chapter 11, the debtors filed the wallet withdrawal motion because they believe client holdings in BlockFi wallet accounts as of the platform pause belong to clients and should be returned to clients. Okay. And if you haven't heard my last episode, uh, you can get some more detail on this and the timing and the platform pause and whatnot. But uh, the letter continues following the debtors filing of the wallet motion, two things happened. First, the official committee of unsecured creditors advised that it was supportive of returning some, keyword some, wallet holdings to clients, but only if the BlockFi client with those holdings was not subject to avoidance claims, also known as clawbacks under chapter five of the bankruptcy code. Don't ask me what the fuck that means because I don't know and, and I didn't look it up. Figuring out which clients might be subject to avoidance claims is a complex issue. The committee's diligence is ongoing. Second, the members of the ad hoc committee and deferred 1031, who are BlockFi clients who took action after the platform pause, contended that their holdings should be treated the same as those clients who had wallet holdings at the time of the platform pause. The debtors and committee dispute that position, but the ad hoc committee and deferred 1031 have the right to have their arguments heard by the court. The debtors have provided them with information to help resolve the issue. The ad hoc committee and deferred 1031's diligence also continues. We understand many BlockFi customers want the wallet withdrawal motion resolved promptly. So do we. We are posting this letter to advise that the parties are exchanging information and trying to resolve the matter amicably. Unless we can resolve the matter by agreement, we expect to ask the court to resolve the second issue above, whether the holdings of the ad hoc committee and deferred 1031 should be treated as wallet holdings on April 19th, 2023. That's right, April 19th, 2023. The debtors are currently unable to make, quote, partial wallet distributions, which prevents any distribution 
at this time. We appreciate your patience with this process and we'll provide another update at the hearing on March 13th. Sincerely, Kirkland and Ellis, Brown Rudnick LLP, Troutman Pepper Hamilton Sanders LLP. These are the law firms for these groups. So if there are big creditors that believe that they should be treated the same way as wallet holders, then this is not going to resolve itself. So in looking at this, I, I was like, okay, so why is the company called Deferred 1031 one of the four groups or committees named in this letter. And I went down a rabbit hole looking at this deferred 1031 and trying to figure out who they were and why they would be a part of this, you know, I mean, essentially that means that they're one of the biggest holders, presumably, of debt or or the biggest holders of crypto in a BlockFi interest account. So I looked it up. Deferred 1031 LLC, if this is the same one, there's one in Texas, and um, it trades under a whole bunch of different names, including 1031 LLC, 1031 EAT LLC, Fallon Capital LLC, Deferred 1031 Series 4, blah, blah, blah. They're all these different names. They have one director slash officer listed, which is a woman named Corrine Ayadanisi. Uh, she's listed as agent and manager, and it was formed in May of 2020. So I look this up, I go down the rabbit hole, and I'm thinking, why is a company that presumably is helping people uh, facilitate 1031 exchanges uh, involved in this uh, bankruptcy committee relating to BlockFi? And um, so real quick, if, if you're not familiar with the 1031 like-kind exchange, it's essentially an IRS rule that enables you, if you have a piece of real estate that you want to sell, if you buy a like kind of real estate, as the name implies, like kind exchange, within a certain amount of time, you can defer taxes on gains from the sale of that initial property. It's a kind of a cool thing, but it's a pain in the ass. And why is it a pain in the ass? Well, they only give you a certain amount of time to decide on the next property that you're going to buy. And then there's only a certain amount of time after that to close on that property. So you've got to basically, if you're talking about a big building or a, you know, a strip mall or an apartment building or something like that, and you're trying to do a 1031 exchange, it can be very tricky because of the fact that, you know, these types of transactions take time. So you, you're selling this one apartment building and you've got only so much time to buy, to isolate or to locate this next apartment building. And then you got to close on that within a certain amount of time. Um, so there are all of these companies out there that help facilitate these 1031 exchanges. Also, another thing to note is that when you're doing a 1031, you can't get the money essentially. And what that means is, is that in the process of the 1031, you've got to have somebody in the middle to be kind of escrow holder of the, the proceeds from that initial sale. For example, so I sell my apartment building, I, I have a check from the new buyer or the mortgage holder company for the new buyer for 10 million bucks for this apartment building. Well, I can't deposit it in my bank. So I have to have someone in this middle time period for these next couple of months that is going to escrow this money. So 
one might assume that this 10 th- deferred 1031 LLC company that keeps popping up on these bankruptcy documents is involved in facilitating 1031s. So that got me thinking. Let's say that you're a company doing this type of work and you've got cash coming in and you essentially are tasked with stewarding that money. And what if you decided, okay, well, since I'm going to have these big checks coming in, why don't I just put it in a BlockFi interest account and get some yield on that while I'm waiting for my clients to decide on the next property they're going to buy? I'm not saying this is what happened. I have no idea what happened. I have no idea how this company runs its business other than the fact that they have a whole bunch of different names and it's really hard to find any information about Corrine Iodanisi, the agent for this enterprise. So the other thing about, uh, or one thing about 1031s is is that you want to work with a very, very reputable and ethical group because you want to make sure that your funds aren't commingled with any other 1031s, meaning they need to basically set up an account and put your money in a place where it's not going to touch anyone else's money. So that makes this even creepier. So again, let's let's pretend this 1031 was getting a ton of money in big, big real estate sales in 2021 or maybe in 2022, and decided that they were going to put some dough into the BlockFi interest account and earn some yield, uh, ethically or not, on their client's money. And then now, then all of a sudden, they've got this money earning interest in November of uh, 2022, and they hear that BlockFi is having some solvency issues. So then they go and try to get their money out of the interest account and put it into a wallet account so that they can withdraw it. Well, clearly they weren't able to do so. And so imagine you're a client of theirs, if this is the scenario, and imagine you can't get your money to perform your 1031 exchange. And this is going on in November. Okay, so we're approaching the end of the year. So not only can't you get your money to complete your your 1031 exchange, but it's coming up on the end of the year. So you're going to get a huge capital gains bill for this property that you're trying to essentially flip. So again, I have no idea what whether this is happening and whether you know that was what was going on under the hood, but it's a viable possibility. And again, uh, I, I did a little bit of digging just to try to figure out who these people are. And I found out by going doing a taxable entity search in the state of Texas, where um, some of these LLCs are incorporated, and it says this. Deferred 1031 Accommodation Title Holder Services, Texas Taxpayer Number, on and on and on. Uh, it's in uh, Dallas, Texas. Right to transact business in Texas. Okay, so what's their status? Forfeited. State of formation, Texas. Uh, effective registration date w- was uh, 1013-21. And there you have it. So they have now forfeited their right to do business in the state of Texas. They're are named in this suit and they're trying to get it so that they can have their money put into a wallet account, even though the platform pause made that impossible. 
and so as to change their status from an interest account holder to a wallet account holder. And that is fucked up because you and I know that if you were a wallet holder and weren't using the BlockFi interest account, that you had a different user agreement than the interest account holders. And so therefore, you know, it it gave us all kind of a feeling of safety that, okay, good, we are going to get most or hopefully all of our wallet money back. This isn't going to happen if the interest accounts end up getting to reestablish themselves as wallet accounts um, as this company uh, deferred 1031 wants. So that it was just a quick rundown. Again, this stuff is confusing. I don't understand uh, most of it, but it's just worthy of discussion because that letter just came out yesterday. Um, I would guess that these different law firms aren't going to be able to come to terms. And so we're going to have to wait until April and hopefully the uh, judge will kind of understand what's going on and will not rule that these interest account holders who tried to, at the very last moment, get their funds out of the interest accounts and into a wallet account, hopefully they won't rule in favor of those people. And again, check out uh, the last episode uh, for some more information on that. And by the way, let me just reiterate that anything that I said about this deferred 1031 entity is just, just waxing on about potential scenarios as to why they are presumably one of the biggest interest account holders in this uh, bankruptcy proceeding. Again, I'm not making any claims about them. I'm not making any claims about their business. I'm not making any claims about their deposits, anything like that. Just waxing on about possibilities. Anyway, that's it for today. I just wanted to share that with you. Have a great one and I'll uh, be back soon. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 